doctor and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus realized at that point, somewhere in that time, that his life wasn't about him anymore. His, he was to establish the kingdom that Jesus came to establish and let us establish as we live here after that. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, Luke, do you know Ben Van Tassel's favorite number? Or favorite time of day, I should say? I think this is Ben's, I think Ben's favorite time of day is 1234. Because it's one, two, three, four. I learned that from him, and it's one of my favorite times of day. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's plan is more, is about more than just me. We think of the Bible as a love letter to me. But God's plan, His greatest plan, is to bring His kingdom here to earth. I believe that He wants to use me as a kingdom bringer. As an influencer, God wants to use us. He wants to channel His power, His resources, and His love through His people. That's me. That's you. How many of you would like to be a part of God's plan? Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God was speaking to Abraham, and God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for who, again, who we are. We're thankful for the blessings that you have given us, Lord. We want to bring your kingdom here on earth, Lord, and we just, uh, we're willing vessels. Lord, pour yourself into us so that we can be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, good morning. Today I want to just look at a little bit of the mercy of God. And 
This is such an amazing topic, and we'll see some great things about the heart of our Father. And today, Phyllis is going to help me by reading some scriptures. Praise God. So, Father, we commit to hearing of your word into your presence. Open up our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. And so we'll start with Psalm 103 and verse 11. For as high as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. And you know, I like astronomy. 14 billion light years. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Unending, glorious. This is his heart for us. Amen. Psalm 145, 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. James 5, 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Amen. And so today, I just want to look at some various aspects of God's mercy and not necessarily each one is connected to the other, but yet it opens our heart to some great truth. And so we see from these verses that Phyllis read that mercy is a part of God's nature. A central aspect of God's character expressed in his covenant relationships with undeserving people. And so mercy is, is that we get uh, things bestowed upon us that we don't deserve. And so, you know, all that we have in the kingdom is because of God's mercy. But then also as we go along, we find his mercies are expressed and they're new every day. And he reaches out to us. And he doesn't just give us legalistically what we deserve, but he, he has mercy upon us. Amen. In Psalm 103, verse 17 but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting 
on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Amen. So first of all, it's from everlasting to everlasting. So God's character doesn't change from eternity past to eternity future. And, you know, we think of the future when there's new heavens and new earth wherein dwell righteousness. And we don't think that we need to have new mercies bestowed upon us. We'll be in the image of Jesus forever. But yet the testimony of the mercy that he had to us in the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus will be an eternal testimony of who our Father is. And also his character will never change. He will be the same gentle, loving, compassionate Father that he is now forever and ever. And so his, the beauty of his family attitude toward us will be there always. And then the second thing is that his righteousness to children's children. And so, you know, if we've had children that have gone astray, walked off the path, God has a promise for us that his blessing and his grace will be upon them. His righteousness to children's children. So let's take hold of the hope that we have in him and believe that he is the restorer of lives. Amen. Psalm 103, the next verse, verse 18. To those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Hallelujah. And in that sovereignty, the dominion that he has over his kingdom it is full of mercy. It is full of mercy. And so if we've gone astray, if we have had things happen in our life that have kind of knocked us out of our plan and what we feel is God's plan for us, there's mercy for us. There's mercy for us. He establishes us. He brings us back. His Spirit brings life back into our heart. He sets us on the path of life again. Amen. I just want to look at something here that talks about our call in life. And that's one thing over the years that I've heard over and over again. I just, people say, I just don't know what God wants me to do. What is it that God's called me to do? Well, let's see how mercy, the revelation of God's mercy has uh, a real part in finding our place. Romans 12 and verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable 
rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And I went through some of this before, but in Romans 11, he's talking about Israel being cut off and the Gentiles being grafted back in and then Israel will be brought back. And then Paul makes an amazing statement. He has included all under sin, both Gentile and the Jewish people, that he might have mercy on them all. And Paul is catching a revelation of this, and he gives a wonderful doxology about how great the character of God is. His paths are beyond searching out, for from him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. And then following that great anthem, he says, in view of all the mercies of God, as we have a revelation, a fresh revelation of the heart of the Father for us, a rational, intelligent, reasonable response is to offer ourselves up completely as a living sacrifice to him. Presenting all, like the Amplified, presenting all your members and faculties to him. Make a decisive dedication. Aorist tense, once and for all. Let's say it, once and for all. The Holy Spirit can bring us to that place where we make a commitment to him that we never back off from. We never withdraw from. Doesn't mean we'll be perfect. Doesn't mean we don't have to face things in life. But it does mean that our heart comes into a place that is cemented to him and we will never let go. This is the life of God within us. And this begins in view of the mercies of God. So let's just take a moment, close our eyes, and just thank God for the mercies that he has bestowed upon us, personally, individually. You were never out of his sight. You were never beyond his gaze. He saw you all the way through. He called you. He put his hand upon you. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Amen. And then in chapter, in verse 2, I'll read this one. Do not be conformed to the world this age fashioned after and adopted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude. And so this isn't just like me choosing to think good thoughts or meditate on Scripture. This is what God is also doing in the very center of my being to give me a different outlook on life. I see my life through the kingdom of God. I see my life through his hand working, through his grace to have a new ideal, a new attitude. And then as this grows within us, we meditate on Scripture and God opens up our heart to be transformed so that you may prove for yourselves. God wants you to prove for yourself, 
and know that you know that you know that you know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's not three different separate wills of God. It's not like, well, there's the good, there's the acceptable, and there's perfect. You choose. No, that's one will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This is his plan. He never tells us to shoot for a lower number in relationship to him. He's always urging us to aim for the highest and the best. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. And this is what's growing within us. This is the, the, the genuine uplift of the Spirit as he points us in the direction of our call, of his purpose. And we can prove it for ourselves. And we step out along those lines where we know we have that unction of the Holy Spirit. And we just feel, we sense his glory and his presence with us as we walk. Day by day we're in fellowship with him. He opens doors before us that no one can shut. He calls us to mighty acts of faith. To extend ourselves beyond our own natural thinking. And to launch out on the lines with him. Amen. God has a marvelous plan for us. Well, let's read Ephesians 4.23. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Amen. I like that. A fresh mental and spirit. He's always with us. He opens our eyes to brand new vistas in the kingdom. Fresh. And then we want to see that he restores us to the path of life. When the enemy throws his biggest attack at us, God in his great mercy redeems our life when we fully turn to him. Isn't that exciting? The enemy can throw his biggest attack at us and God is working by his mercy to restore us. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. There's two sides of some of these things we go through in life that Christians seem to adopt. It seems there's a camp that believes that life is to be a battle every day. We're always in constant spiritual warfare. Well, God doesn't want us to live under that kind of a reality. Amen. The other side is that <clears throat> there is nothing ever that presses in upon me but that I can just walk through it. I can walk through anything. Well, that's not quite reality. Ideally, that's reality. 
but God gives us the body to help us. If you read Paul's writings over and over again, you're helping us by your prayer. He was dependent upon the prayers of the church. He says, we will be delivered in response to your prayer. And so <clears throat> the believers were helping. And, and this, is the, uh, this is how we live as community. We do our best to stand and to walk through, hold up the shield of faith. But there are some issues that are just, we're not prepared for. And he gives us the body to help us. Is any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. Is any one of you in trouble? Let him pray. Pretty clear instructions. We love you, Lord. Let's read Hebrews 4.16. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, and well-timed help, coming just when we need it. Wow, how often have we proved that out? God is watching, he's there. <clears throat> he extends his hand at the right time. And so let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near. Confidence has to do with speaking. Freedom or frankness in speaking. And so we come before the Lord and, and we don't try to sneak up with, on him, you know, you know, with a lot of pleasantries. We just lay out our life before him. I remember I was watching a documentary on years ago on the building of the pyramids in Egypt and they found some old scrolls and the one had was with the, was written as a letter to the pharaoh by the head uh, architect that was hewing the stones out in the quarry and the first three quarters of the letter had to do with you are a great king and <laughs> building him up and telling how great, you know, affirming him. And then the last little bit, we haven't received any payment. We're starving here. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, he couldn't just get right to the point. He had to go through the preambles. But when we come to the Lord, there's a frankness in speaking, not disrespect, not, you know, accusation, but freedom and frankness. Lord, this is what's in my heart. This is the abundance in my heart. We present our heart, our emotions, what we are facing. 
in life clearly and openly to God. He is ready to hear us. He is ready to draw near and to comfort us. I mean, we don't know exactly how he's going to uh, bring mercy to us. Sometimes we're just in real distress and we just need the upwelling of his glory and his comfort. He is ready to answer. Confidence, confident that God is listening and ready to act on our behalf. And so this is the language of the New Testament promises. We have confidence that God is hearing, that God is listening. And the Apostle John says, if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the request that we have brought to him. And so, frankness in speaking, we, just, we lay it out in our own language, in our own words, before him. As we're pressing into his heart, we come boldly into his presence through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, this is what I'm facing. He knows what we're facing, but there's something about us just laying it out to him that we can, we can have fellowship with him even in the hard times of life. And then that we might receive, that we receive mercy. This is the Greek word lumbano. And Paul was writing to Timothy, lumbano, take hold of eternal life, seize upon it, never let it go. take hold of. And so he's, he's reaching out to us and he wants us to reach out to him and take hold of him. And often in that embrace, there's transformation. Jacob found that to be true. The angel came and he was in distress and the angel came to him and he took hold of the angel and he wrestled with him all night. And God did not rebuke him. He just said, let me go, it's morning. And he reached down and touched the hip socket and that was a sign the rest of his life that he had, it says he had wrestled with God and prevailed. Not forcing God, but there was something brought out of his life when he laid hold of, when he seized upon the Lord. And he wouldn't let him go, and Esau welcomed him. <clears throat> and so as we take hold of the Lord, we, we seize upon him. God doesn't change, but something changes upon us. This is our, this is our focus. And as, we are, as we're just standing there with him, taking hold of his heart, his spirit transforms us so often. Jesus never changes. Listen to how he responded in his earthly ministry to those crying out for mercy. And just read a few verses out of Matthew here. There's other places that don't mention mercy, but these happen to have that flavor to them. Matthew 9, 27. As Jesus went on from there, 
Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Amen. God hears the cry for mercy. And here Jesus heard also a faith in that cry. But we are dependent upon God for everything. Even our great acts of faith are in His power, in His goodness, in His ability. Our faith can move God, but it's still His power. Matthew fifteen twenty two. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And again here we see she is crying out for mercy, but Jesus heard that cry as faith as she was crying out to him the answer. He wasn't looking anywhere else. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And so Jesus was listening to her and she kept following after them and following after them. But I can imagine that he was hearing the rising up more and more and more of this faith. She wasn't going to let the situation pass. And Jesus said that she had great faith. Do not give up. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Amen. Oh, the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who will fear him and love him and obey him. Jesus said that if we obey him, set our heart upon him, that he and the Father would come and make their home with us and walk with us. This is a great reality for our life. Let's read one more verse in Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. It's okay to have nothing 
to fall back on but Jesus. Here the man had nowhere to turn, had nothing, no reserves. And he came to Jesus and found the answer. I remember years ago someone came to me and they were saying, well, I've tried this and this and nothing has worked and things just don't seem to be in a good place. I said, well, you're in a marvelous place. Now you get to trust God alone. Amen. We leave, you know, we throw away all confidence on the flesh. We embrace Him. We love Him. The Holy Spirit is bringing a revelation of this tenderness of God towards us. That He is always through His eyes of love. He's looking mercifully upon us. Never Never let go of Him. Never surrender your trust. The enemy will come and put doubt and he'll shoot those arrows into your heart, into your mind. Never let go. Jesus sees. Jesus knows. You draw near to Him. You take hold of Him. You seize upon Him. You speak clearly to Him, frankly. And sometimes, you know, when we speak frankly to the Lord, we look back over our life and say, this is how it appears to everybody else. But this was the intent of my heart. And Lord, forgive me. Sometimes to speak frankly means that we expose our heart to Him. That we expose those attitudes that aren't quite right to Him. And we ask for his forgiveness and healing. I remember hearing David Wilkerson speak back in the early 80s and he was talking about Moses and how he had put you know, his hand inside his cloak next to his heart and he pulled it out and it was all leprous, white as snow. And he put it back in again. It came out clear. And Wilkerson, who would dare to reveal their heart, the issues of their heart, as not being as perfect as we portray? But God knows. And we can clearly, and with great frankness, expose ourselves to him. We don't have to hide. We don't have to try to make ourselves seem better than we are. We know what's happening. If we want our life to be able to be full of God's mercy and his anointing and his grace, we need to have this position before him. And then we can we confess it and we say, Lord, heal me. Lord, search me to see if there's any wicked thing in me and lead me in the life, in the path everlasting. We do this because we know his great mercy. We can do this because we know how patient and kind he is. And he is desiring for us so much to go from glory to glory. 
And as a result of God's great mercy towards us, he comes and partners with us in life. What a privilege we walk with him all through all the circumstances of life. He's partnering partnering with us. He's standing with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I, I just sense that as we were going through some of these things that God was wanting to remove doubt in your heart. He's wanting to remove condemnation from over your heart. He wants to bring you into a place of great confidence before him. He is merciful. He restores us without any sense that we've done something wrong. He forgives us. He cleanses us. And so that condemnation can leave today as we embrace the awesome God who's watching over us. Let's just offer it up to the Lord. I offer my heart to you, Lord. You see all, you know all. And Father, I offer up what I see of my weaknesses and these things that may have troubled me for a long time. I offer them up to you. I thank you, Lord, for rising up my life into your glory. I may stand with great boldness and confidence before you and be a light in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, have a great day. There's a meal waiting. Amen. Find somebody you can open up your life to a little bit today. Share something maybe you haven't shared before. Or a body in Jesus' name. Amen.